Good to see everybody again. We got even more folks rolling in. Oh, as we get ready for the Word of God, music's over. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was, but <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a drive-by. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, before we get ready for the Word of God, one of the things that we like to do is to clear our minds and to clear our thoughts and, and just get ready for it. So uh, give you a moment for silent prayer for whatever your needs are, and then I'll close us out, and we'll get into the Word of God. So if you would, let's take a moment of prayer. Fathers, we prepare to rightly divide your holy and divine word of truth. We pray that our ears will become open and our minds receptive to these things and we'll learn about creation. We'll learn about how you put the heavenly bodies in space for signs. And yes, this eclipse coming up tomorrow is a type of sign, as is each day that we live and the sun comes up and then the moon. And so, Father, as we do, help, help our minds to readily grasp and accept these truths. Help it to be for your glory and honor and for the proof of your existence. And, Father, as we get ready to close, we ask for prayers for Willie. He told me he's going to be competing and needs a little help. And for those who are interested uh, to see him. And then we also pray for Caden, Father, that the injuries that was sustained will not have anything with permanent damage that he will be able to be healed and to come back to his regular self and and may this be something that he sees as he looks in hindsight as a thing that brought him to you because through the prayers and supplications of those who are faithful to you and that message is shared to him maybe he will realize the wonderful grace that you have father and We thank you for about what you're to do with your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Want to look at something that's going to be straight out of tomorrow's headlines. Because tomorrow, has anyone heard about the solar eclipse? (laughs) I mean, unless you're under a rock, pretty much, you've heard about it, right? I, I got a couple of emails this week, and so I thought... What better way than to take something that's in the news and that everybody's going to be talking about and a buzz has been created and say, what does this mean in the eyes of God? What what is going on here? And I thought this would be a great thing to do. So he he allowed me, I hope, to put together a, a lesson that will explain some of this. I mean... As I opened up my email, everyone's talking about the eclipse of the century. And even Kroger got into the act. I got the coupons on Friday, and they played off of the old Bonnie Tyler song. You remember the song, Total Eclipse of the Heart? Okay. Total Eclipse of the Shopping Cart. 
and scope out our deals that we have this week. So, I mean, even Kroger got into the act. So what, what's going on here? Uh, it's a phenomenon of the creation of God. God created these things for a purpose and for a reason. Um, first off, I want to start with a warning about tomorrow. It's very dangerous to look at that without protection. Unless you have proper certified eyewear, don't look at it. It's not worth it. It, it can fry your retinas and very quickly at that. And I know that even the school system has bought uh, these glasses and they're going to take the kids out. I've been trying to instruct uh, my grandson about the proper way and, and it freaked him out and now he's scared. He's scared, but he doesn't want to sit in the uh, cafeteria and be the only one there and everyone call him a chicken, but he doesn't want to go out and fry his eyes. And I was trying to tell him, if you do it right, if you listen to what we're saying, it's going to be okay. But we talked to the optometrist who used to be a member of the school board, and he doesn't really recommend all of this. But um, he said that if you do it properly and, and you have the goggles on and you only look for a second or two and look away and allow your eyes to cool off and then do it again for a couple of seconds and continue that, you should be okay. Otherwise, don't do it, but you've, you've got to do it the proper way because our retinas do not have a pain filter. It's not like when somebody whacks you and you feel the pain and you go, ooh, I'm not doing that again. Because it's like being out in the sun too long and then later you realize you got a bad sunburn. We don't have a filter of pain for those uh, rays of light that comes down. So you have to have the foreknowledge and to do it correctly. Um, as you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 this morning, Genesis 1, I want to share a little bit of research not only through the scriptures but also on NASA and even the Old Farmer's Almanac website. Some of these things are totally bizarre. Um, the brightest of the stars, whenever there's a total solar eclipse, the brightest stars actually come out and they're seen. But I guess there's constellations. And the odd thing is, is that there's constellations on the summer route and travel of the earth that's visible. And then there's constellations that are visible in the winter time. But when there's a total solar eclipse, you see the opposite constellation. So since this is summer, we're going to see the winter constellation come about. And so that's kind of a weird thing. And that's not all. It's said that people, if you're in that direct path, that people start acting weird. said that you will find people that babble. I find that all the time. Anyway, <laughs> go to Walmart. <laughs> but uh, people will begin babbling. They will be doing things that's confusing. But then afterwards, everybody always says, this is the greatest experience that I've ever had. Even animals get in on the act of it and exhibit odd things. Bees, the uh, cicadas go silent. Even squirrels act a little... Yeah, squirrely, I guess that's why they called them that. They will run around for a couple of hours all frantic and everything. So this is a big deal. It does some things. My daughter says that it affects her in a way that she can't sleep. 
and that it causes her to do a bunch of stuff. So it affects people. It's, um, the sun is mentioned 183 times in the scripture. The moon 62 times and the stars are mentioned 65. So it's a big deal to God too. It's a part of his creation. Um, these planets, the stars, we're going to find out that they are a gift from God set in place for a purpose. The, that word is Nathan, like our word Nathan. And it means a gift of God to be set out before you. And so the sun, the moon, the stars, the comets are a gift and they were set in place by the hand and the word of God. Um, what kind of signs, you say? Well, seasons, years, days, different things. One of the most wonderful signs that the heavens ever declared was on the birth of Christ. You know, Daniel taught all of the magi whenever he got taken into Babylonian captivity. One of the things that he talked about to those magicians and to those soothsayers that was there that like to be astronomers, he said, I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a certain constellation, a certain grouping of stars that is going to signal the birth of the Son of God and show you that God is alive and in this place. That was somewhere between five and 600 years before the birth of Christ. Whenever you then look in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his what? Star in the east, and we have come to worship him. So they were for a sign, wasn't they? And the greatest sign was that of the birth of Christ. These Magi had been looking for this sign for 550 years for the coming of the Messiah. Then another one, when Jesus was now up in years and he was doing his ministries and he's being talked to by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they're testing him in some things and talking to him and looking for a sign. He says in Matthew 16 verses 1 and 2, he goes, you know what? You can discern the skies. You know that if it's a red sky in the morning or a red sky in the evening, what the weather pattern is going to be. Why do you not discern the signs of the times that the miracles that I am doing as the Son of God prove who I am? You can see these things, but you're not looking at what's right in front of you. And we have a rhyme. I don't know, most of you may have heard it, but there's a rhyme that I've learned from a young child that said, red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailor, take warning. So, again, the skies, the aura of it is for a sign. And I might add that that is a more accurate weather forecast than the meteorologist on TV. <laughs> How can you hold on to a job that you're right about 22% of the time? I don't know. But this is even more accurate than that. Then, he says, I am doing these things. You can discern that, but you don't look at me and what I am and what I have come for. So, 
As we begin with this introduction on signs and the atmosphere and the earth and the creation of God, open your word to Genesis 1. And let's look at the first 19 verses there as we get up to this point in our creation saga of what's going to take place tomorrow with this solar eclipse. Genesis 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and that it was good. And God divided. I want you to just watch through here as we go how many times he uses the word divided. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And he called the darkness night. And the evening and the morning was day one. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. So God made a firmament. Divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And he called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning was day two. And then God said, Let the waters under heaven be gathered together into one place. Let dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass. Let it bring forth the herb yielding its seed after its kind. The tree of fruit yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is within it. Let them become upon the face of the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass. And it brought forth those herbs yielding seed after its kind. And the tree that yields fruit after its kind. And God saw that all of that was good. And the evening and the morning was day three. And then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs, for seasons, for days, and for years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day. The lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And to rule over the day and to rule over the night. And to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning was day four. That is the story of how things began. From 
one of the few eyewitnesses that was there to behold it. For this wasn't written until way later by Moses. But it was given to him by the Holy Spirit of God who moved him with the eyewitness account of what went on and what he revealed as accurately as truth unto mankind. I don't have time this morning to go into those 19 verses. If I did, we would be here till midnight. There is a lot of depth in this. There's at least three or four lessons. So we're going to not go through the first ones. We're going to begin at verse 14 because that's what applies to the heavenly bodies that we're talking about now. So verse 14, Elohim. That is the word of plurality. I am is a plural ending. So this is God in the plural. So when the creation story is beginning, all three members of the Godhead are present. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all together. And they made a decree. God the Father made this decree and He said, Let there be lights. And it's not only that, he didn't just say, let there be lights. It wasn't an ask and see if it came around. It was a command that said, light be, light became. That's what the word says. It's not let there, if you want to. It said, light be, light became. And that's the power of the word of God, that he brought those things into existence. And I want to remind you that the spoken word of God like that, that brought creation into existence, is the same spoken word that men were moved to actually write and record in the book that you're holding. The word of God is alive and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it's a critic down to even to the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And that same word that can bring that into existence backs up all the promises that we've been studying in the past few months. It backs it up. It is alive. It is powerful. And it's the same word that is here for us to use today and to stand upon. And it says, Light be, light became. And the decree of God was to put lights in the atmosphere. And I said, Hold the horses. Wait a minute. Look back at verse 3. I mean, we're in verse 14. Look back at verse 3. What did verse 3 just tell us when we read it? Light be, light was. I thought we already had light. That was day 1. Here's day 4, and it's God's putting lights into the heavens. I thought they were already there. Hmm. Okay. Now's when we get to rightly divide the word of truth. Now is when we need to dig a little deep and to see what's going on because there's a mystery here. And anytime you see a mystery or something that makes you scratch your head, you say, let's look a little deeper. There's something underneath the surface here. And it says, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to tell Timothy this fact. He said, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's what we're getting ready to do. We're going to divide it and we're going to get in deep. I'm going to share with you a couple of things from the original language, but I'm not going to overwhelm you. I want to keep it to where you it's very light and you can readily see what's going on in this creation story. To rightly divide the light that is in verse 3 
of when God said, let there be light, is a word called ur, O-R. It is a word for a great light. It is the original light. When we get down to verse 14 and he says, now let there be lights in the firmament, the word is ma'or. It's a different word. It's something that came from the original and was made into something else. So these are lights that are different from the lights that was in verse 3. They came out of it. Ma'or doesn't mean the great light. It means light bearers. It means luminary bodies of light. Think about the spiritual principle of this physical thing. Christ is the what? Light of the world. We are to be His what? Light bearers. We are to bear the light. We are to be the church. The New Life Church in Perrigan is to be the light of Perrigan. It's not to be hid under a bushel, but it's to bear that light. It's to be set upon a stand and be a light to all of the community. This is the same application as Christ being the great light and we the light bearers in the community. There was a great light and God took that great light and He made from it light bearers for the earth. And they are to be for signs and for seasons and days and years just as we are to be examples of Christ and to teach the Word of God to everyone that we come in contact with. Homework assignment. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 40 to 58. Go home and this week and read 1 Corinthians 15. A great discourse is there about celestial bodies and physical bodies and how that in the resurrection we are going to be transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye into different celestial bodies. And as there are different glories of the bodies of those terrestrial things in the sky, sun is different from stars and the moon, so is the resurrected bodies of folks. So homework assignment. See the spiritual application between creation and spiritual In 1 Corinthians 15, it's amazing. The verse 14 of our text this morning is talking about God making light bearers up into the heavens. Our solar system. Our solar system is unique from any other solar system in the galaxies and in the universe that we know of today. Our solar system is the only system that has one star. And that star is the sun. The sun is a star. The other stars that you see at night are from other galaxies and other solar systems. That's not ours. That light has come to us from there. But our system is unique. It's special. God made it special. Why? He made it for His creation that He was going to put His breath of life into upon this earth. And just as our solar system has one star but many other light bearers, so does the church, doesn't it? Who is the head of the church? Jesus Christ. He died and gave Himself for it, and there is only one star. All the rest of us are light bearers taking everybody to that one star. So there's another spiritual application to this physical solar system thing. God made light bearers, not only the sun, but He made eight 
slash nine planets because they argue whether Pluto's a planet or not. So if you count Pluto, we have nine planets today. Then the moon. The earth actually has one moon, but our solar system has 181 moons. And so it's filled with these things. And these things are for signs and seasons and days and years. And so let's start to get around them. The first one, those days. The earth rotates on its axis. It does two things. It revolves around a sun and it rotates on its axis. And the rotation is every 24 hours. There's day and night and that makes a complete day. So that is one way of telling time. But it is also a thing that glorifies God. And we'll get into that in a moment. It is a sign. So even the day and the night time is a sign to everybody about the, the existence and the creation of God. And then next we have not only that, well, before I move on, since day one of Genesis 1-3, this has happened. The power and the word of God that set these things in motion has continued that through the power of God's word all of this time except for two different times. I don't know if you remember the two times, but one time is in Joshua chapter 10. They were fighting a battle. It was getting dark and if darkness came, the ones that they were fighting would escape and they prayed to God. And God made time stand still and the sun shone for longer than it should. And the earth stopped its rotation. And they were able to win the battle and then it went back up. Then, in 2 Kings, a king named Hezekiah needed a sign to show because that he was going to continue to live and be victorious in something. And Isaiah said, what do you want him to do? And he said... Do you want him to move time forward or set time back? And he said, it's hard to tell if you set time forward, but if God can move time back, then he is God and he is powerful. And it says that the sundial and the porch went back 10 degrees at time. God made the time go backwards. And that's the only two times by the hand of God that it has not been a 24-hour day since day one. It proves the consistency and the power of God day by day. Verse 14 continues to tell us that it's also for seasons. Seasons. As the earth rotates around the sun and revolves around it, 365 and a quarter days make a year, and it has ever since beginning. Only recently we figured all of these things out, but God planned it in His divine design of His creation. And it's an elliptical revolution. And elliptical means it's not even, so that in the wintertime it's a longer stretch and it's further away from the sun and it gets cold. And then as it gets closer you get spring. And then as it's at closest you get summer. And then as it goes away again it gets fall and then you reach winter again. And it's happened year after year for the 6,000 years of recorded history that we have. And it says in verse 16, not only all of this, God now, verses 14 and 15 is the decree of God of what He is getting ready to do on day 4. 
Verse 16 is putting it into implementation, into action. And verse 16 said, So then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and He made the stars also. Okay, it's time to rightly divide the word again. The big clue to what is happening here is that word made. I shared with you guys a long time ago, way back when we talked about the creation of man, and there's four words in the creation story that mean something different. In verse 3, when God said it, that he, in verse 1, when He created everything, that word is a word called bara. And bara means to make something out of nothing. In, it means that nothing existed and He spoke and it came into existence. That was the first great light that was there. But then, our verse here in 16 says, So God made the two great lights and the stars. The word for made is asa, and that's different from bara. Bara, make it out of nothing. But asa means to make out of something. It means something that's already in existence, and you make something out of that. To get a hamburger patty today at McDonald's, if you go there and get you a Big Mac, they had to take a cow that was already in existence and then take and grind hamburger out of it and make your patty and cook it. So that hamburger patty came from something else that pre-existed. The lights that we are talking about in verse 16 came from something just like that that was already in existence and it came forth out of that it was revealed to be this way he's going to make more lights and you say how do you know that well we just went over bara and asa and and it was revealed in these special words by the holy spirit to moses as he wrote them and now with all of this in mind let's put our thinking caps on for a minute how does science say that everything began How do they try to explain it without the existence of God? They call it what kind of theory? Big Bang Theory, isn't it? Big thing. Okay, let's take what science has learned and let's apply what we've learned from the Word of God and see how we can make some things coexist here a little bit with this Big Bang Theory. They've studied the universe for over 6,000 years. They've been trying to figure out this from everything. So they say that in a Big Bang Theory, that something that was already in existence, a mass that was both light and density, exploded with a bang, and that the shrapnel from that created everything that we have, doesn't it? And that one thing that they can't figure out is that our solar system seems to stay in place and their telescopes are showing that the rest of stuff is expanding away from us. They're saying that the universe is flying away at these great rates of speed. I say, what if you take and put these together? What if you take the Word of God as it is and says that there was light that was in existence and in verse 16, God made light and when He spoke, spoke these things to come forth, that light exploded into these things, and then it says in verse 17 that God set the ones that's in our solar system into the firmament of the atmosphere to give lights for the earth. How about that? Parts of the light that was going to be the sun, moon, stars, planets, 
set in place. The rest of the stuff is still flying out there in space away. Just a thought. But what we do know is that there was a light. And God said, let's make more lights out of that light. And I'm going to set them in place in our solar system in the firmament. And then it says he stopped them here for the purpose of lighting up the earth. A great light to rule the day. A lesser light to rule the night. And he called them day and night and the moons. And he said that they're for a sign. What's one sign? Division. Did you ever think that God divides things? We grow by division. Cells divide. God saw darkness and brought forth light, and he separates light from darkness. He continues to do that today. He has called us into the wonderful light of his Son and out of the darkness that is around us from the evil one. So God still divides light from darkness every time somebody gives their life to Christ. Division, he said, it is good. Light has no fellowship with the evil works of darkness. And that's what it says in verse 18. He saw the division and that was good. That was the way it was. And again, then it goes on to say that this was day four. And the first light, though, came into existence on day one. And this is day four. So that also proves that this is a different light. That light was in existence day one, making night and day. These are into existence on day four. And they are for the signs and the seasons and the years. But it represents God. It represents who He is and that He is. And that He created this. And that He is faithful in what He does. And the power of His Word that can hold all of that together. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 19. As we get ready to close this thing out. We're going to look at one of those signs. We can't look at all of them, or again, we'd be here a long time. There's a lot of signs in the Word of God. But this one here is powerful. Did you ever think that the earth rotating every 24 hours was a sign? And it was for evangelism. Let's read beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 19 then, if we would. The heavens declare... The glory of God and the firmament showeth forth His handiwork. The heavens, it says, tells, declares, proclaims the glory of God. The atmosphere shows forth Asa, the work of His hands. Oh, that goes all the way back to our passage. The Word of God never disagrees with itself. This is the word Asa, the work of The heavens are showing forth to us. And when it says that it speaks forth, that is a word that means with certainty. So when it's declared, it is with certainty that this is the works of God and His handiwork. Day two, day unto day, every 24 hours, and night unto night, it uttereth its speech and shows knowledge. Every day... God is speaking to us that I exist. I set these things in place. This is the way that it happens. And I am using this to teach you about me. And the word for speech, 
is a promise. This is a promise from God that you can see my faithfulness in the day-by-day activity and you know that I am faithful to do everything else that I have said in my word. And it's a promise that I am and they declare my glory. Verse 3, there is no speech, there is no language, there is no place where this voice is not heard. Not one place. This is God's evangelism to the world even when there's no missionary to take it there. And he says that there is, in Romans 1, another homework assignment, if you want to read Romans 1, the last half of the chapter, he says, man is without excuse according to the knowledge of God because the heavens declare it day by day. There is no excuse. It shines Everywhere there is not a place that my voice is not heard. Verse 4, the line has gone out through all the earth. The words of my creation to the end of the world. And in them, in the heavens, he has set a tabernacle for the sun. There's our word set that was back in verse 16 of chapter 1 when he set these things in place and gave them to us. He has set a tabernacle in the sky for the sun. You know what a tabernacle was? It was where they came together to learn about God and to share and then to sacrifice for sins. The Son of God was what it all represented. Here he said, my heavens in a physical way display that. The Son of God, the Son coming out every morning teaches us about God just as the tabernacle showed the teaching about Jesus Christ. It reveals truth day by day. Verse 5, which is as a bridegroom. Oh boy, what's Christ called? Bridegroom. And we are the bride of Christ, the church is. The bridegroom is coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man ready to run a race. You know what that means? Just as sure as the sun comes up every morning and rejoices in what it's doing, one day the Son of God, the Bridegroom, is going to burst forth through the heavens as well to come and receive His Bride as a strong man rejoicing in the race that has just been won. Now, verse 6, His going forth is from the ends of the heaven, This circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Nothing in life is hid from the Son of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. Verse 7. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. It rejoiceth the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It enlightens the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Ah, more to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold are these commandments and statutes and laws. They are sweeter also than any honey that has come from a honeycomb. Brothers and sisters in Christ, 
We've only begun to scratch the surface of the knowledge of creation and of God and His faithfulness and what things mean that He has given to us. His ways are so much higher than ours, we probably never will understand everything. But yes, tomorrow's solar eclipse means something. It is a sign from God just as sure as every day and every night is a sign from God that I exist and that I am faithful and that my word is true and I have the power to do what I say. Who else, by the power of His word, could hold all of this together and cause everything to go in rotations without error for thousands and thousands of years? Nobody but God. And as sure as He does that, He backs up everything else in His Word. And this solar eclipse is also a part of divine design. You know why? Because as you see from the slide, when they align perfectly in this line, the earth, the moon, and the sun, it's almost a perfect silhouette between the two. And the design is that the sun is 400 times larger than the moon. But God placed the sun 400 times further away from the earth than he did the moon. So that when they line up, you see the glory of God and it declares the wisdom that he had when he made creation. And every once in a while he does this to show you exactly who and what he is. As our worship team makes their way on back up, this is to let us know that God's alive, he's well. He's doing exactly what he said he would do in his word. And day by day they speak forth. And I hope that you never look at another sunrise the same way again. Or another sunset the same way again. But now you will say that this is God. Speaking to me of his faithfulness and of his power and his ability And that He loves us. And just as sure as the sun breaks forth every morning, one day His Son is coming forth for you and I as well. Verse 11 says, Moreover, by the word, the law, and the commands, we are warned. There's a lot of blessings and a lot of promises, but there's also warnings in the word of God. And He says this, Day-by-day activity is also a warning that if you don't know Jesus Christ, you should. Because just as true as the sun come up this morning and it's going to set tonight, He's going to come back and there are warnings in here about what happens to those who are not in Christ Jesus. And in a moment, we're going to offer the invitation song when they play that you will have the chance to come forward and to make that life right with Christ and to give it to Him in the waters of baptism if you so choose. But I hope that you have seen the immenseness of God through all of this and what marvelous sign is going to be revealed to us tomorrow. But He is long-suffering and patient so that none should perish but that all will come to repentance. And that's why He allows time to continue on. And I hope that you do keep His Word. I hope that you will make your life right with Christ. And as we close out in prayer, I find no better way to close us out than how David prayed in this psalm that we're looking at in Psalm 19. When he realized the immenseness and the power of God through His creation, he prayed these last three verses. 
And I want to pray those for us as well. Let's bow in prayer. Father, who can understand our own errors? I just do know that I sin and that nothing is hidden from the heat and from the revolution of your Son across this earth. So please, Lord, cleanse thou me from my secret sins. Hold back your servant also from presumptuous, yea, my arrogant and my willful sins as well. Lord, let these things not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright in your sight. Then shall I be innocent when I stand before thee. I will be innocent from my great transgressions. So please, Lord, I pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my God, my strength, my rock, and my Redeemer. Amen.